the Paralympics GB podcast with Hannah Cockcroft. Hello, I'm Hannah Cockcroft and this is the official Paralympics GB podcast. And with less than one year to go until Paris 2024, I'll be catching up with a whole host of athletes hoping to represent the Paralympics GB team next year. Today's guest has gone from the battlefield to the sports arena and his journey is a testament to the power of resilience and dedication. Introduced to wheelchair rugby during rehabilitation in 2014, he swiftly rose to prominence with incredible achievements in the Invictus Games in London and the Tokyo Paralympic Games, just to name a few. Today, we dive into the sporting journey of our guest, a true Paralympic champion, Stuart Robinson. So Stu, I'm just going to kick straight off. Welcome to the Paralympics GB podcast. Thank you so much for coming to join me. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you, yeah. Just been uh, another morning training. Got to take it pretty easy at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I'm feeling good, thank you. I'm just going to go straight into it. Can you tell me a bit about your early life? Were you sporty growing up? Did you like sport? What was going on? Yeah, so uh, ever since as a kid, I've always been into basically any sport. I think any sport that I could get involved in, football, rugby, cricket, athletics, I'd want to be a part of it. I was trying to be a part of all the different teams at schools and whatever I could do outside of school and, and just basically stay involved and stay healthy and, and basically stay out of trouble, really. I think that was the main thing. And then you were an RAF regiment gunner, which sounds really cool. Was that always your dream? Like when you were a kid, is that what you wanted to yeah, do? I think so, yeah. I think the choice for me when I was leaving school was to join the Air Force and obviously to, to join the regiment. And as cliche as it sounds, I wanted to go and see the world. I wanted to do the travelling. I wanted to stay fit and healthy and all that kind of stuff. So it ticked all the boxes. And by the time I got to 17, 17 and a half, I was at the eligible age to, to join. And uh, off I went to join the Air Force show. And that was it. And then, to put it lightly, I guess, that was kind of where your life changed. Pretty much, yeah. I think a lot of the deployments had their own ups and downs and then obviously in 2013 I had a bit of a an incident should we say and I obviously ended up back in, in hospital in Birmingham and obviously from there it was kind of then what career direction do I do I now take and luckily for me one of the the big things for the a lot of the intermilitary guys was to get involved in sport and see where that could take you and kind of luckily for me I found found worship rugby and I found a new a new passion and a new drive and, and a new direction to take. Did you ever watch or kind of follow Paralympics, Paralympic sport, anything like that before you became disabled? Yeah, so I remember watching the uh, London 2012, sat at home just prior to deploying with, with the Air Force. And I remember the, the impact that it had, not just on the social environment, but as well as me from an outsider looking in and seeing that the, the effect that it could have of, of people playing sport and different ways that you could do different kinds of sports. So it just kind of opened your eyes a little bit and it was only when I think I woke up in hospital, I kind of knew that there was definitely options out there that I could take part in and stuff that I could do with my newfound disability. Did it make it any easier knowing that that was an option? I, I speak to a lot of, obviously a lot of guests on this show and they always say, oh, you know, watching London 2012, I realised that I could do a sport or that's how I found my sport or things like that. Did it make it any easier knowing that that was maybe an option? I think so, yeah. I think there's, like I said before, it definitely opened up my eyes to see that there's different sports that you that you could partake in, no matter what your your disability was. I think what made it slightly easier was the fact that I played rugby prior to, to my injury, so I kind of made a natural transition to look at what rugby sport was available, and wheelchair rugby was a, a great opportunity to, to get involved in, a great opportunity to, shall we say, release some frustration and get involved in such a, a high-level sport, shall we say, yes. Did you find that sport helped you kind of during the rehabilitation process? Did it help you come to terms with your disability? Did it 
just make the whole process a little bit easier? Oh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of used sport as a whole as a not only as a way of getting myself fit and healthy and, and back on track with everything because of what happened, but for me, I found it as a a great distraction because obviously going up to the gym and you, you, you get involved in, in whatever sports class you're going and get involved in any kind of sport it just took your mind off having to come to terms with, with what had happened and, and the newfound disability and it was only then when I kind of kicked on and I found the, the benefits of what playing sport could give me that I decided to carry on and try and make a go of it and see where it could take me so in. yeah no it totally makes sense you know I, I was born with my disability and as a kid you don't want to do physio you don't you don't understand the benefits of doing all these things so sport was like my mum and dad's cheat away to make me do things that were good for my body instead of just sitting and watching telly Sport is a massive distraction from from things that you don't want to do you know I think if if a doctor had come in and said oh do this exercise because you're an adult you might have just gone oh well I'll just do it anyway whereas as a kid you're like no why would I do that whereas when you're doing it in sport you just forget that you're doing it and think, oh, like, look how cool this is, what I'm doing. I mean, like when we were doing our uh, rehabilitation, you do it for like three or four week stints at a time and you get like all timetable of what you're going to be doing for those three or four weeks. And I remember looking at seeing, the first thing I'd look for, with, like when I was at school, was looking when the PE sessions were penciled in or when the sports sessions were penciled in so that it was a break from learning to walk or learning to just basically come to terms with what happened. So it was just great to get to the gym and to get involved with something else. And then 2014 was when you were introduced to wheelchair rugby i mean did you actively seek wheelchair rugby you said you played rugby before so was it a sport that you said oh i'd like to try that or was it literally just today your PE lesson is you're playing rugby and you just had to get in a chair and go for it do you know what my first ever session was for wheelchair basketball um and i tried that and i think it within the session somebody came towards it and i ended up smashing into them and the referee turned around to me he sent me to the sim bin he said look you can't do contact in this sport he said look if if you want to do contact, you need to go and play wheelchair rugby. Luckily, obviously, I found wheelchair rugby, and it was pretty much like, I don't know, it went in synergy, it worked together. I, I wanted to do it. It was a great avenue for me and a great opportunity to smash people as well. So. <laughs> Did you try any other sports, or was that it then? I did got swimming, but they decided to give me swimming prosthetics, which I think the, the main priority when you're trying to swim is to stay afloat okay. and swim in a straight line. Now, these prosthetics were quite heavy and they they did a great job of trying to make me drop rather than help me float. So uh, I kind of dismissed that idea straight away. And after to the failed basketball, I decided, then decided rugby and the, that was obviously the way forward. So, you know. And you obviously can't smash into people in swimming either. So that was just not up for you anyway. No, definitely not. I think I might be setting the symbiote for that one as well. So yeah. <laughs> At that time, did the possibility of ever competing at Paralympic Games ever cross your mind or was it literally just something to get through the days? Uh, whenever I first started, it was about setting goals about the way where you want to reach. And I think the for me, the very, very start was I just wanted to get involved in sport just to get my life back on track, to try and get fit and healthy and, and just to see where, where I could go with it. Obviously, I think once I found out that I could classify into the Paralympic version of World Rugby, the goals then changed, the the mindset of just wanting to take part and just to be competitive kind of went a little bit further. And obviously it was then trying to see how far we could go with, with playing the sport and how far it could take us in, in whatever capacity that I could do it in. You just seemed to move through everything pretty quickly. Like one year after your injury, you went to the Invictus Games and you won a gold medal. You must have some kind of, I don't know, a hidden talent or is it just love that got you to that gold medal? I think it's a bit of both. I think the fact that 
the kind of I was I was into the unknown. I didn't know what was really how I was playing. I was probably just aimlessly going around in circles and smashing people anyone that came near me. But I think that there must have been like a kind of little bit of an inkling of a little bit of talent there. And um, I think once I kind of knew that I wanted this is where I wanted to go now with my new career direction and a newfound sport and the one that I love that it was all about focusing all my energy towards uh, improving my own self, not just in a physical but also a mental state, and obviously trying to get forward to get into the the best level I can be with with GB rugby and just luckily it's ongoing ever since. What was the Invictus Games like? Again, a lot of people probably said this, but we had preconception that it was going to be like a school sports day and like you picture a couple of mums and dads are going to go and watch and stuff like that. And it was like when we pitched up at the Copper Box Arena, obviously that was one of the the venues for London 2012. So I kind of resonated a little bit with myself, but to go out there and obviously on the day to try to perform and to, again, at that stage, my whole outlook was like let's just go and play and see what what happens today and it was only when the longer the day went on that we got into the semi-final and then into the final that we thought look we could win this let's now forget about just competing let's go and win it and to go in front of like I think it was like 8,000 people on a packed Friday night at the Copper Box it was a pretty special occasion obviously to come away with the gold medal was kind of the icing on the cake and obviously again it just kind of lit the fire inside and decided like no this is the the opportunity of where I want to go for the rest of my life. I mean, surely 8,000 people must have been the most people I presume you'd ever played sport in front of. So did you not feel any pressure or is it just there was no pressure so it's there for fun? I think initially I was kind of like, look, let's just go and play the sport and see where it takes you because not only that, but it was like the first ever Invictus game. So there was, I didn't feel there was that much pressure. It was just the fact that obviously when you went out there, the, the, the bright lights on the Friday night, 8,000 people, and there's now a bit of pressure on you. I was like, well, we rest, we rest go out and win this now. And plus the fact that I don't want to be disrespectful, but we were, we were playing the, the the USA, and I thought these years I don't know that much about wheelchair rugby. Uh, obviously, I was, I was pretty wrong, but yeah, it was a pretty special occasion. And luckily, that we we came over with the win, scored the winning goal in the last couple of minutes, and uh, just an amazing achievement, an amazing evening, and one I probably will never forget. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you know if Prince Harry was watching you? He was indeed. Now, if you look back at a few of the the interviews that they do with a couple of the Olympics guys. They all ask about what the the favourite moment ever has been during the Invictus Games because it's, it's gone on for quite a while now, and they all go back to that that Friday night in the Copper Box of when we won by the one goal and we came away with the, uh, the gold medal. So it's obviously not just a special place in in my heart, but I've seen a lot of other people that watch it as well. So yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then following on from that success was when you became part of the GB uh, Wheelchair Rugby Talent Development Squad. Can you describe your experience during that transition? Did being part of the GB team feel any different at that point than being part of Team UK for the Invictus Games? I think there was a little bit of a change because the, the disability side of things now for the Invictus, I think basically if you have any form of impairment, you can take part in the Invictus Games. Whereas I think for obviously different sports, you have the different levels of classification and stuff. And to go from that to now being in the development where you're playing with a lot of say so we say spinal cord injury guys who have very limited hand and trunk and arm function and you, you have to now consider how you're passing to them so it was not only a eye opener for myself but it was making me become a more rounded player because you're learning to play with the people with disabilities with lesser function than what you're used to and it was just something to to try and get used to but i think i knew straight away that this is where i wanted to go and how playing along some of the side some of these guys who were also vying for that that slot in the the elite squad was definitely a direction we wanted to take so yeah and you were selected then to join the paralympic gb inspiration program absolutely just through through the levels like i feel like you didn't really do your internship i'm gonna be honest you went off to to the rio 2016 paralympic games how was that experience for you you'd only been injured 
a couple of years, really. And suddenly here you were just swanning around our village. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting the phone call saying that you're off to Rio. Obviously, straight away, I was a bit nervous. But they said, look, don't worry, you're not, you're not competing. You're actually going as part of the inspiration program. But he did exactly what he said on the tin. Uh, it was there to, to inspire the next generation of athletes. And me and one other guy from GB Rugby went there and we looked at all the different sports. More importantly for myself and the other guy, we went to watch the, the, the rugby guys going out at the, the arena. Uh, if we're, I can't remember how many it was, 15,000 maybe. The crowd was going, obviously the Brazilian crowd was absolutely mental and everyone was cheering and loving it and the carnival atmosphere that was going on. Obviously the guy's performance wasn't great, but it still had that desired effect of inspiring me to want to be on the court and pushing out with them guys rather than sat in the crowd and experiencing atmosphere so i absorbed every bit of information every bit of atmosphere anything that i could and said to myself that was another opportunity to push that goal that little bit further that now look i've got to get myself to a paralympic games and what we'll see where that can take us so uh, i just remember that obviously it was a pretty special occasion being in rio and obviously it came out there fully fully invigorated and ready to go did you find that when the time came a few years later and you got to go and compete at the Tokyo Paralympics, that experience of being there in Rio, seeing, I guess, how a Paralympic Games ran and everything that went with it, do you think that helps you prepare for your first Games? Yeah, I think so. You got a slight insight into the uh, the athlete village, obviously over in Rio, and how the guys were setting about their readiness to perform and stuff like that. And obviously it was slightly different being in Tokyo with the luck of the crowd and the spectators and stuff like that but I still had that desire to, to want to go out there and perform no matter if it was in front of 15,000 people or in front of no people there's still the goal was still exactly the same you've got to go out there and win a medal and it was just putting that at the forefront of your mind rather than anything else and it just gave me and probably the rest of the squad that inspiration to, to go forward and to compete then that inspiration just carries on because you went on to captain the UK team at the Invictus Games in 2016 Orlando and 2017 in Toronto you're getting your traveling in still like you're still ticking all the boxes aren't you you're not missing out on anything here obviously you do a lot of traveling in the military surely yeah. this is more enjo enjoyable travel yeah. it's not as dangerous <laughs> obviously I take I take uh, Orlando and Toronto over anything anyway but um yeah it was just about again getting that that more experience and learning to play the sport because I think even though it was such a a whirlwind you're still constantly learning still kind of trying to play the sport at the better level and i think that at that stage i'd already been selected for the the development squad for for db paralympics for rugby so i still try to come enhance my game not only whilst i was playing at the gb level but also with the invictus guys as well and it just made even more sweeter that I was made captain of the team and i'm trying to enhance my own skills as a, as a leader as well and i think for your teammates to see how far you've come as well must inspire them massively i mean it's it's a real privilege to be a captain of a team i captain the athletics team at the rio and at the tokyo paralympic games so for you what was it like leading your team out on that international stage i, I kind of relished the opportunity i think I, i'd like to play or, or lead the way that i play and i think that rather than being that kind of person who's you, you get these kind of authoritative leaders who like to shout and ball at people and point directions and you listen to that and if, as well as that's sometimes very much needed I, I like to go out there and perform the way that uh, I'd like others to perform as well. So I'd like to kind of lead by example, which sometimes helps. And I think that if them guys can see that, it's obviously going to be a good thing for them just to take a little bit of the, the information on board and hopefully continue into their realm as well. I'm sure they're absolutely taking on board everything you're doing. And I mean, this year you've been named the GB team's vice captain. What does that role mean to you? That's amazing. You've not even been in this sport long. And honestly, you've achieved more than me, so... 
just keep cracking on. <laughs> Pretty hard to do that. Is I think again, it's a it's a great privilege. I've seen guys before me that have come up and been captains, and the way that they've led the squad, and the way that they've imparted their knowledge of playing the sport onto the rest of the younger guys. And I think that in such a short space of time of what I have achieved, I'm trying to now get that knowledge across to the newer guys coming through, and again show that through the way that I play on court, the way that I can try and give a little bit back through the team meetings and through the the lineup briefs and stuff like that and it's just hopefully going to help us grow the sport and grow the squad and hopefully push us on to, to bigger and better things in the years to come i'm sure it absolutely will now we haven't yet spoken about possibly your biggest achievement i say possibly because there's a there's a long list to go through but let's backtrack a little bit the journey to the tokyo paralympic games Obviously, there were just challenges everywhere. Let's say challenges. The biggest one for many people being the COVID-19 pandemic and all the restrictions that were put in place because of it. As a team sport, how did you adapt to that? Yeah, it was massively difficult. Obviously, a lot of the time you were kind of sat alone doing stuff from home, doing stuff in the garage, doing as much as you can. And obviously, you're doing about a, a million meetings every single week via Zoom, via Teams, via different distance learning and stuff like that. It's just so difficult, but I think I know a few guys in the squad at the time when when they heard that Tokyo was going to be delayed by twelve months were pretty disheartened because there was obviously that chance that it might never happen. But I took it on board that because it was my first games, I wanted to use this as like an extra twelve months to be able to to learn, to grow, to train as much as you can in in the garage downstairs, but also to watch video analysis of like the opposition teams and learn their traits, learn their trends of how they play and stuff like that. And, it just gave me that little bit of extra time I needed to try and get forward. And I think it was about being creative, doing gym sessions in the garage on your own, watching YouTube and stuff like that. And it was about just finding different ways of doing things. And obviously, as a team disability sport, it, it threw up its own challenges because you, we couldn't obviously meet together. We couldn't wear an indoor sport. You can't play indoors. And where we could find a training indoors, it was about training with masks. And obviously, I think people's health and safety was first, but... It obviously didn't help things in the um the, the lead up to the games, but like I said, we, we, we had to look at different ways to be able to do things and luckily we, we were kind of creative and kind of came up with a different ways. So Did you ever feel a lot of trusting your teammates during that time? Because obviously I guess as a team, everyone's gotta work as hard as everyone else, right? So did you ever worry that maybe you were putting all these hours in in your garage and one of your teammates was just sat on the sofa at home? Because I think that I would stress about that. <laughs> Even like the team manager has said to us, um, look, this pandemic it could go on for a while. It would take this chance, I'll have a rest and have a relax. And I didn't quite take that on board. I kind of went into like kind of overdrive and tried training even more in case it happened like tomorrow and stuff like that. But I think we tried to keep ourselves accountable. Uh, you try and keep teammates accountable by checking on their workouts, and ensuring that they're doing the kind of same kind of thing. And there's only so much that you, you can do without having to go around and check on people. But I think that having a lot of trust within the squad, having a lot of trust within teammates uh, helped us go forward. I think that essentially that's what helped us when we got to Tokyo and we actually got to compete. How long did you actually get to train together before you went to Tokyo? I think we were brought back in stages. So initially, like the first training camp that we did, uh, you were only allowed to do chair drills. You weren't allowed to pass a ball to one another because of the risk of passing contact on the germs and stuff like that that was on the ball. So it was pretty slow going. I think we started in around March or April time, but it was, like I said, pretty pretty slow going. Obviously, training in masks in an indoor sport was tough as it as, as it can, can you can imagine, but it just took a while getting used to it. And in my head, I said, look, it's painful, it's hard work, it's tough going, 
we're, we're pretty privileged that we're given this opportunity to, to go out there and to do sport no matter what the environment what the the case of whatever else that's going on so let's just make the most of it and let's just train and let's keep our eyes focused on Tokyo we can finally get there that's a pretty incredible turnaround because the team's performance in Tokyo was absolutely nothing short of exceptional and I think when people hear that and hear you actually only spent a matter of months together as a team before going out and, and winning that gold medal that's pretty amazing I mean you guys won the first medal that Paralympics TB have ever won in wheelchair rugby. But everyone loves a game story. Everyone loves it. So can you take me through your highlights, the emotions of, of being at Tokyo, all the way from, you know, group stages right through to that brilliant final? I'm going to rewind a little bit. When I was obviously in Rio watching the guys perform there, and I remember they were playing Canada in the semi-final. And Canada scored with 0.7 seconds to go which made them win the match, which then put us out of contention for um, for a medal. Obviously, massively disappointed. I, I could see the guys' faces when they come off as that. But that, again, inspired me for the next set of games. The draw for Tokyo came out. Um, the first game that we had was going to be against Canada. Typically, I'm going to make my debut against the team that had knocked us out of medal contention in Rio. So, massive weight on our shoulders. I think that as Great Britain wheelchair rugby, we've always had that this kind of stigma that we've always given out really the, the nearly men and the people that are not really going to medal but you'd be there and thereabouts and so it's pretty tough to to go over there I think what did help us was the fact that when we went there and there was no crowd we didn't feel any pressure we knew we had friends and family support and stuff like that back home and supporters but there was no like pressure on us to go before we knew, we knew we were pretty strong we must have exhausted the whole of YouTube on video analysis on opposition teams and stuff like that so we knew that we were ready to go when it happened and we went out there we beat Canada obviously in the first game the second game in the pool stages we played New Zealand again we felt pretty strong against them when we beat them comfortably the next game was against USA pretty much the very strongest teams that we were going to play against I think up to half time we were leading maybe but eventually by the end of that game we, we ended up losing by a couple of tries it didn't obviously dishearten us we kind of knew that we were still felt pretty strong it just meant now that we had that slightly tougher semi-final against Japan who I think at the time obviously apart from being host nations they were ranked number two in the world so it's gonna be a tough ask we we looked at the game plan we looked at the video of how we can perform against these guys and literally we put put it all into action against them it was an amazing game lots of ups and downs I just remember that by the end of it we we end up winning by about five or six and just that that moment of winning that semi-final and putting us into that definite medal match was just an unbelievable feeling and I knew that the pressure was not just lifted but it meant that we could now continue going forward and looking forward to trying to win a, the gold medal match. I remember sitting on the bus uh, on the way to the, the gold medal match and one of my teammates turned on to me and said this is going to be a great opportunity we're going to go out there now and we're going to come away with at least a silver medal now that quite didn't quite sit well with me obviously these goals and these bars that keep keep moving and keep raising getting higher and higher every single time for me, the goal was to go out there and to, to win the gold medal. Fortunately, unfortunately, we had to play the USA yet again. But we'd looked at some of the mistakes that we made in the pool game, uh, how we could rectify them and stuff like that. And we went out there with, with no fear, no no worries, just wanted to go out there and play our game and knew that we'd be strong enough to beat anybody on our day. It was just an amazing game. Again, ups and downs and a couple of downs to me when I was on the floor. But um, we managed to come away with beating these guys by, again, five or six. And it was just an absolute unbelievable feeling to, to come away from my first ever games with a Paralympics gold medal with 
basically the, the feeling of that this is GB rugby, this is the guys that everyone doubted us, everyone called us that we were the nearly men and we're never going to win and here we are now with the, the gold medal around our neck and coming away with not just Paralympic GBs but the fact that it's the first medal for any European nation in, in wheelchair rugby so it just felt pretty special. That's a massive achievement, absolutely massive. But I feel like you've been really yeah. modest there because you scored 14 tries in that final. That's a lot of tries, and you haven't even mentioned it. That's my job. I mean, I try and try and <laughs> score more goals than what they can score. But again, it was a team squad effort. We all played our parts. We felt like we'd come so far from, from Rio and the, the goal to now get to Tokyo. We'd always been pretty strong and thought that we could definitely win a medal. And we just hoped to, that when we when Tokyo did eventually happen, that we could put everything into action and put it to practice and just look at it for us. It all kind of clicked, all really worked. And then we came away with the gold medal. So it's a pretty special day. The big pass comes over the top. Great Britain, please start that clock. And that is it. That is it. Great Britain are the Paralympic champions in wheelchair rugby. That is a magnificent performance. 54 to 49. History made. It strikes me while I'm talking to you that you are probably one of the most positive people I have ever spoken to. Everything you've said has just been... I was really lucky to be there. Like, I'm just part of the team. This is my job. Like, has the enormity of what you achieved in Tokyo actually sunk in? Will it ever sink in? Do you look at yourself and go, I actually did that? Obviously, we realised in Tokyo it's pretty special. When we was at the eating facility at like 4am on some ice cream after celebrating, we were kind of enjoying that, I think. But it was only when we managed to come back home and you see friends and family and supporters and you realise the enormity of what you've actually achieved. And again, the celebrations, the, the parties, they went on for a couple of days when we got home. And not only did that, it had such a great impact on myself and the rest of the squad, but you saw the people that it had reached as well. We've got like a quite a big rugby community back in the UK and it just seeing these guys and seeing the increased numbers at training sessions, at club sessions, and seeing all these guys wanting to now get involved in, in disability sport was just a, a great way to, to help promote the sport and help show what, what can be done with the determination and hard effort. Oh, honestly, you guys just inspired so, so many people. And, and it is amazing, right? I remember coming back from London 2012 and going back to my club in Leeds. The whole track was just full of every age person just pushing around in race chairs. And I think in Tokyo, because there was no crowd, did you ever go into a match? And, you know, for me, I remember sitting on the start line of the 100-meter final. And in my head, I literally just went, what is the point? Why am I here? What is the point? I imagine this wasn't the case for you because you are eternally positive about everything that happens and I am the exact opposite. But did you ever sit on that court and just think, nobody's watching, nobody cares? Or was it just a team spirit of, look how well we're doing, let's keep going? The main priority was to win a medal or win win the gold medal because, like I said, we, we've been the nearly men and we'd never really gotten there and we knew that we were a strong squad and we knew that hopefully that the friends and family back on they believed in us and they knew we would be able to achieve and we kind of had like a bit of a a point to prove because people obviously doubted us and stuff like that but we wanted to go out there and win and i think one of the downsides to being in Tokyo with no crowd was you can hear every single thing from the sideline or from the bench and from whatever else and more often than not when you're in in a a, a match when the spectators watching if, if I do something wrong or somebody else does something wrong, the coach will shout at you, the coach will tell you what you've done wrong and so on. Um, but you can kind of play a little bit coy and, and just pretend that you didn't hear it because the crowd was cheering. 
when you're in Tokyo, there's a deathly silence. You're hearing every single thing. So I, I was knocked on the floor uh, in the final, and they, they didn't even have to say anything. I could just feel people's eyes like burning in the back of my head, knowing that it could be an opportunity where we're kind of thrown away. But yeah, luckily, it worked two ways. Not only do you get told about things where, where things are going wrong, but you can also hear when they're giving you like words of advice or ways to pick up things and make them work better. So it just helped us that way. And I kind of used it as that as a as an opportunity to play better rather than looking at the, the negative side of things and thinking there's no crowd here, there's no one watching. And obviously it is a little disappointing that the fact that GB's first ever gold medal in wheelchair rugby was seen by very few people. But I think it ignites that fire yet again to, to go out there at Paris next year and wherever else and try and hopefully retain the same medal and try and see where we can go from there. You mentioned Paris. I mean, you as a team are now heading into the Paris 2024 Paralympic Games as reigning champions. So many parts of this Games will be different to the last. You know, venues will be full capacity. Of course, your family and friends will be there. Is this something that you've thought about? Like, are you excited about that? Are you a little bit nervous? How do you feel? I think I'm definitely excited I've obviously went over last month to to test out the facilities and see what the venue is going to be like. It's a pretty iconic, pretty special venue that we're going to be using. I'm more excited than anything to not only to perform in front of friends and family, but to have them watch the sport that that I play, to watch the sport that the rest of the squad plays, to watch watch us play at such an iconic city, country, and the the venue that we use. And I think it's going to be a great switch up from obviously from Tokyo, where we had literally pretty much not a lot of people in there and stuff like that. So it will be. Um, a pretty good chance for them to come over and watch but I think hopefully it should inspire the the squad uh, whoever gets selected and hopefully it gets them gets them out there ready to perform and to to play well in order to try and win that gold in front of the family and, and supporters as well. Are you feeling any pressure starting to creep in you know gold medalists you were looking at going and beating Canada because they knocked you out there's going to be a lot of teams looking at GB now to to knock us out. I think as soon as that final buzzer went in Tokyo against the USA, the pressure was on us. So obviously, we're gonna the next three years we're gonna be Paralympic champions, and everybody's gonna be wanting to have a, have a shot at us and see how they can perform. To be honest, it is up to us to absorb that pressure and to spur it on because obviously everybody wants to be in the position that we're in. We want to stay there. We want to continue doing that for Paris and beyond. And obviously, the guys that are coming in, some of these guys have they didn't go to Tokyo, so for them it's gonna be a new experience. They're gonna be in the same position that I was in so hopefully they can they can step up and they can look at trying to perform in front of the, the crowds and, and performing against other nations and uh, hopefully coming away with another medal so yeah I think it's close. As vice captain have you got any words of advice to those new players coming through? I try and just not put too much pressure on the shoulder because they, they've often got enough pressure with everything else that's going on and trying to perform and make themselves perform well enough to be spotted and selected and things like that so more often than not, it's about trying to keep them grounded and just tell them that, look, you, you're, you're here for a reason, you're playing your game, you're performing at a required standard. You've just got to go out there, put it into action, do a lot of the hard work behind the closed doors, get on the ski erg, look at 17,000 hours of YouTube footage and just, just do what you can. And then when you come to practice, listen to what the coaches, listen to what experienced players are telling you and just take it all on board and put it into practice when you play yeah. I think it's great advice. Looking ahead, I mean, I guess retaining gold uh, Paris is the goal, but what about beyond that? Have you got any more dreams, goals, aspirations that you want to achieve both in wheelchair rugby and, and outside of it too? I think in wheelchair rugby, the aim has always been to continue playing for as long as my arms, shoulders, my body can take it. Whether or not 
that means I get selected or not, and that's a different matter. But we'll just continue playing and see what happens. I think from a outside of rugby perspective, I have young children. It's nice to, to look after them and to obviously have a bit of a break now and again from from playing the sport. So it's always about trying to trying to enable them to, to live their best lives and just to go out there and do some travelling with them and seeing the world and things like that. So um, there's always good opportunities out there, I think. But as long as I'm fit and healthy, I'll continue playing rugby as long as I can. Well, I will be watching the team so closely in Paris and in the lead-up as well. And I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast will be as well. Thank you so much for joining me, for sharing your eternal positivity. You've given me so many nice stories that I've really enjoyed listening to. And you've really made me flip on its head how I think about pressure. So thank you for doing that. I'm going to let you get back to miles and miles and miles of ski erg and watching hours <laughs> of youtube videos so enjoy that but thank you so much for having a chat to me no worries appreciate it thank you a massive thank you to Stuart for sharing his absolute positivity and fantastic journey with us and i cannot wait to see what he and the whole paralympics gb rugby team do at paris 2024 for more info on Paralympics GB, head to paralympics.org.uk and follow us on the socials at Paralympics GB. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever it is that you are listening to this show as there'll be more shows, more guests and even more stories from behind the scenes in Paralympic sports to come. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The Paralympics GB podcast with Hannah Cockcroft.